Blackstone Audiobooks presents Name Dropping Tales from My San Francisco Nightclub by Barnaby Conrad Dedication to my son Winston, whose idea it was. When San Francisco hills are leveled, when the flower stands are gone, when there's no more red wine and garlic on Telegraph Hill, no more hungry artists on Montgomery Street, no more Chinese children laughing in Portsmouth Square, and no more cable cars rattling up Powell Street and California Street and Jones Street and Hyde Street, then San Francisco will take its place as a good, realistic modern city of industry, and the color and the romance will be gone. There'll be nothing left but memories, and as new generations are born, even the memories will disappear. From Samuel Dixon's 1957 book, Tales of San Francisco, forward by Herb Kane. The Fifties. We were still drinking and smoking and driving cars that began to sprout tail fins. Our fine ladies wore fur coats and long fingernails, and gathered under flowery hats to lunch and gossip at El Prado. The first high-rise went up on Montgomery, the shape of things to come. The town had great jazz joints, Blackhawk, Jazz Workshop, Jacks, Jimbos, and wonderful bars, especially the Matador. We dieted by eating only steaks and baked potatoes at Grisons. When we went on the wagon, we drank calso. The beatniks were born, the term, wrote Norman Mailer, was coined by, quote, an idiot columnist in San Francisco, unquote. Name-dropping has a bad name. Pushy, say some. Last resort of the socially insecure. Reflected glory, a pathetic attempt to appear important through the accident of propinquity. A cheap way to become the cynosure of all ears at boring dinner parties. All or none of the foregoing may be true. I take no sides on the issue one that is tearing at the very fabric of society and the roots of the Republic. To drop or not to drop, it depends on the game and the player. I tend to look kindly on name-dropping by people I like. Few things are more repellent than moniker-mongering by a brown-nosing Araviste, especially when the name being dropped belongs to a person you have long admired and who appears to be quite fond of the obnoxious bugger telling the tale. There are a few rules, unofficial but universal. The name being dropped must be of the household variety, at least. If the reaction is, who, the game is lost. If the dropper then makes the fatal mistake of trying to identify the droppee, to no avail, there's no way out except via the back door. Another rule, the name must be accompanied by an anecdote, amusing, shocking, or both. Third, the anecdote should be apropos to the general conversation that had been flourishing till the dropper stopped it cold with his, Say, that reminds me. For example, say the conversation is about overly critical music critics, a popular topic among people without much to talk about. The host says, The opera was wonderful, the audience was on his feet cheering, and our stupid critic says it was the worst performance he ever heard. 
As everyone nods, I loved it too. And what do the critics know anyway? You are permitted to say in a soft but authoritative tone, Well, as Artur Schnabel once remarked to me, audiences always applaud even when it's good. Silence. You have scored a point and lost a dozen friends. Who's Arthur Schnabel is the only possible response. The great practitioners of name-dropping, those who are invited back, are those who know what to drop and when to hold back. Their timing must be impeccable. They have to possess an encyclopedic memory and the gift of instant recall. Further, their interest in people of great prominence should be innocent, abiding, and all-consuming. They have to believe that important people really are. The game is not worth the candle if you come to the cynical conclusion that celebrities are just like anybody else, because in truth, they aren't. The one thing celebrities have in common is that they all know each other, but not you. Barnaby Conrad, the author of this book, is the best name-dropper I know, mainly because he has never lost his innocence. He truly admires accomplished people, and he is such an engaging and amusing chap himself that they soon come to admire him. This makes him a world champion, a winner of the gold in this game with so many losers. While the rest of us lag shyly in the background, Barnaby makes it his business and pleasure to chat up the celebrity at hand, and they soon go off into the night, arm in arm, to begin a lifelong friendship. This makes the rest of us feel even more insecure. For many years, Barnaby was in the perfect position to meet the great and the near great. Nightly, he was master of the revels in a San Francisco boite called El Matador, named for the best-selling novel of the same name. See, I am name-dropping here. Quote, One of my oldest friends is Barnaby Conrad, unquote. Who? Well, you know, the man who wrote Matador. Oh, oh. In Casablanca, it was said, everybody goes to Rick's. In San Francisco, for a gaudy decade when the world was young, everybody who was anybody came to El Matador, and among the anybodies was a bonanza of somebodies. They all loved Barnaby because he loved them with a flame that burned clean, true, and unwavering. He basked in their glow, and they glowed in his pleasure at their presence. It was a great time to be making the rounds in a San Francisco that would never again be elite and small and special. The matador has vanished, and most of the famous people who frequented the place and had the times of their lives have disappeared from the world grown old. Only Barnaby, Peter Panishley, remains forever young, forever fascinated by the celebrated people he continues to meet. I, too, am a name-dropper, of course. Having written a daily newspaper column since 1938, I know the value of a well-known name and savor as much as Barnaby an anecdote to dine out on for the next several weeks. In one of my earliest columns, I wrote about a handsome teenage San Franciscan, the scion of a prominent family who had stowed away aboard a liner bound for Hawaii and who caused something of an international stir when he was discovered hiding in a lifeboat. It was Barnaby Conrad, about whom I've written dozens of items through the long years. I say in all modesty that I played a small part in making Barnaby a celebrity whose name is being dropped somewhere at this very moment by a nobody seeking to become a somebody. Herb Kane, San Francisco, April 1994